is summer. You know what that means. Sprinklers are buzzing, popsicles are melting, and the Consumed Podcast is on your speakers for that road trip you've dreamed of taking. This is the show that features conversations with eaters, thinkers, drinkers, and makers on California's Central Coast. And I am your host, Jamie Lewis. Thanks for letting me tag along. Before we start, I want to tell you a little bit about some of the sponsors of the Consumed Podcast. Consumed is sponsored by Mid-State Containers, cargo storage containers, and refrigerated shipping containers for sale and rent in California. You may not understand how Mid-State Containers could change your life, but the truth is many, many guests on the Consumed podcast use Mid-State for their projects. Containers can serve as wine storage units for case goods for private collections and even tasting rooms. They can be refrigerated storage containers for breweries, kegs, and fruit during harvest for wineries. Mid-State Containers outfits coolers and freezers for ranchers, farmers market growers, orchards, and butchers. Containers can make great pop-up coffee bars and berry containers for root sellers. My guest from Season 10, Krista Flieger, from Lonely Palm Ranch, uses her Mid-State Container for an office on her property. Other ideas include schoolrooms, music and photography studios, and there are other things that can be grown, stored, and processed in a Mid-State Container, so use your imagination and get on their website to request a quote, midstatecontainers.com. Slow Life Magazine is the publication that spotlights local people, places, culture, and flavor. That's where I come in. I'm the food columnist for Slow Life, and my most recent story featured the Alchemist's Garden in Paso Robles, right on City Park. It's a whimsical restaurant with high ceilings, plants everywhere, like everywhere, and a bright green neon sign that says, what you imagine, you create. The food is really tasty, but the elegant cocktails here are the bells of the ball. Get your copy of Slow Life to learn more by visiting slowlifemagazine.com. Slow Food Co-op is your friendly neighborhood grocer, maintaining local, organic, and non-GMO standards. Slow Food Co-op sources from local producers, ensuring they offer their shoppers great food and household staples. With a mission to empower health and well-being in the community, they offer local produce, meats, low-to-no-waste foods, and wellness items. You can find Slow's only community-owned grocery store on their website at slowfood.coop and visit Slow Food Co-op in-store at 2494 Victoria Avenue in San Luis Obispo, California. Okay, on to the episode. John Quint, who pulls a JFK and also goes by Jack Quint, owns and operates Deltina Coffee Roasters, located in Oceano and, as of this summer, a location near Cal Poly on Taft Street in San Luis Obispo. As a native of Seattle and the nephew of a prominent master roaster, Jack comes by his coffee culture honestly. He started his career as a CPA specializing in international taxation, but when coffee became his true love, he made a plan to start a roastery. Why did he and his wife Jill, yes, Jack and Jill, why did they choose the little coastal town of Oceano to set down roots for their five kids? And why open a new spot? You'll have to listen to find out. Oh, also, Jack sent me a few pounds of Deltina coffee, and I am loving its French roasty style. Okay, here's John, or Jack, Quint, of Deltina Coffee Roasters in Oceano. So you asked me how much have I covered coffee. I have had Scout coffee on. I've had 
oh, I'm leaving somebody out and I'm embarrassed. I just heard you say in the trailer that you had had, I heard all the roasters that heard coffee roasters. Oh, cool. I didn't know how in depth you got on that. And I've had tea people on. I saw Kristen from Kirsten from secret garden. Yes, She's wonderful. She is wonderful. And actually in her episode, she said a coffee person doesn't have to hate tea and a tea person doesn't. It's not an either or. Totally. And that's definitely the case for me. But I appreciated hearing her say that. Totally. You know. No, she's wonderful. Do you have stuff from her mm-hmm. at the shop? Okay. Yeah, she's great. When I first reached out to her, uh, one of our contractors when we were building out our shop recommended her. And uh, what just sold me is she said, okay, well, here's kind of how, here's how I operate, you know, between these t- four hours every day. Please don't call me or text me. I, I talk to my tea. And it's just, and I was like, sold. I said, she's you know, so I'm not, I said, I'm a weirdo with my coffee. So I totally get it, you know. <laughs> How so? How are you a weirdo with your coffee? How am I weird? I I understand the the energy, and you know it's really a deeply personal thing for me, mm-hmm. and um, not just my coffee, but my equipment and and my team. There's mm-hmm. there's so much energy that goes into the process, and you know when I get a delivery of green coffee beans and um, you know a hundred spill on the ground, oh. you know I'm a CPA and I run the math. I go, okay, well, that's a dollar's worth of coffee, but I'm envisioning a sorting table with 10 women in Uganda, you know, physically sorting them all out and go to have all that, you know, put into it and, and to have it spill out on the ground in Oceano, you know, to me is just heartbreaking. So that's a sad story. That's a tragic sort of story. When, out there. No, no. I mean, but when you see those spilled ones, it's, I love that you connect it back to the, um, back to its source. Absolutely. And the hands that go into making it. Absolutely. And, yeah. So how I, what coffee is to me to jump right into that. Go ahead. Um, coffee for me, it's more about, um, building community and self-awareness It's a vehicle to me. Um, I'm not a huge coffee snob. I mean, I came from Seattle where it's just in everything you do. Um, I became very into self-awareness about what I was consuming living Mm -hmm. in Chicago Mm -hmm. because there was a lack of, you know, go buy a big thing of apples at Costco and take a bite and it was mushy. Yes. And I started learning, kind of leaning into um, reading ingredients and really basic things that if you're living in Chicago or DC and you're in the corporate world, you just don't think about. Mm-hmm. So I got, you know, in, in San Luis Obispo, most people are pretty in tune with. Very. Re- <laughs> but for me, it was this, you know, wait, there's sugar in Cheerios? Like it yeah. just, so to me, it was this eye opening um, process of, okay, I need to pay attention to what I'm putting into my own body. So that if I'm eating a candy bar, I know I'm eating a candy bar, but if it's a, it's a, if it's something I think is healthy and it's not, that, that's a whole nother story. What so, sparked that? Was there a moment when you like, did you feel bad eating something or did you nope. see a documentary or? Nope. I actually, um, the, the companies that I was pitching to, so I worked in Washington DC and I was following, um, tax policy. And when I started to learn who was really pulling the strings there and who the lobbyists were, and I was watching writers of bills go through. And, Mm -hmm. and I realized that, um, the fast food companies and the pharma companies who I was serving, Mm -hmm. um, were really making money off sick people. Mm -hmm. And that would, and by the way, they're really in control of what's going through Congress. And that was a big eye opening Mm -hmm. moment. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I didn't go on a mission to fight these people. I just said, well, I just don't want to be a part of this and I don't want to spend my life, um, serving these people. Mm -hmm. So I kind of pulled back and then in congruence with the self-awareness I was trying to develop around, you know, my own personal consumption, Mm -hmm. um, that led me to coffee. You know, I was, I was, I saw a theme developing in cities of, 
younger people um, that were willing to pay more if they saw where something was coming from. Mm -hmm. You know, a $30 chicken breast is okay if I can see where the farm Mm -hmm. was that it came from. Mm -hmm. So I I wanted to capture that and be a part of that movement, Mm -hmm. Um, but I didn't know how. And I was talking it over with, you know, my uncle in Washington, you know, on the river by his house. I said, what do you do again? Mm-hmm. You know, and he's, he's a coffee roaster up in, um, twist uh, Washington. So okay. I popped into his shop and I just started picking his brain a little bit. You know, tell me what is that? Well, that's a, that's a Sumatra coffee. Where's that? That's in Indonesia. Mm-hmm. This is Ethiopian coffee. And once I scratched the surface of the kind of cultural differences around these regions and how that presents in coffee, mm-hmm. um, I really got excited for sure. Well, that's interesting. I mean, that's why people get into wine. Absolutely. Um, and to, to other degrees, tea or, you know, any kind of a value added product. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. a processed product. Obviously you couldn't have coffee without processing it to, to a certain extent, but when it has to do with geography and it has to do with geology and the biophysical, the terroir of Mm -hmm. the place, um, the climate, and then, like you said, the hands that mm-hmm. are involved in it. But then the greens get to you, mm-hmm. and then you get to have a hand in it, which mm-hmm. is kind of a cool lineage. It is amazing. It's it's really incredible how many people touch your coffee between the point that it's grown to the point that you consume it. That mm-hmm. blew something like twenty nine estimated people touch it. Wow! Um, and that whole process was, I had no idea, and most people have no idea. And so my mission is not to make every, you know, to cram that down people's throats. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wanted to introduce people and get them curious. So, um, part of what I do down at Oceano is I have my big roaster that, um, we use a couple times a week and I have my bags of coffee sitting next to it. And a lot of people come in and go, how much can you grind on that thing? No, that's a roaster. How you much know? can you grind? It's so much coffee. <laughs> yeah. that we grind in this and, thing? and they, and they, wait, what? <laughs> and so you just see the wheels turning yeah. and the next time they come in, Oh, so I Googled this. And, and so you buy the coffees before the, the ro- and, and that's what we're mm-hmm. looking for and building that connection to the source of the food. Yeah. So to me, that's a little thing we can do is just to spark that curiosity. Yeah. Which is people. part of the beauty of being a roaster and a cafe. Absolutely. Because Absolutely. people get to see behind the curtain a bit. Cause I, so I, I haven't been mm-hmm. to Deltina yet. I think this week after, cause I always talk to somebody and I'm like, yeah. okay, I gotta go see this. Totally. Um, but I, I think your barrel roaster is right. Isn't it right behind the counter? Basically. Can people Basically, see it? Oh yeah. Yeah. You can, okay. It's too close. I mean, you can walk right up to it while we're roasting coffee, which yeah. is kind of a problem. Um, it's, it's great. <laughs> a burn hazard. <laughs> yeah. It's more distraction oh. or, or, you know, it's really hard to pay attention for six to eight hours a day. It's fun. But after four or five hours, you know, it's, you start to kind of not get bored, but yeah. it's really easy for somebody to walk up and go, how long have you been doing this? Or yeah. you, know, yeah. you, you want to share what you're doing, yes. um, but it's so crucial to pay attention. It, okay, so I got a little bit into just home roasting. I got my mother-in-law's old popcorn. Yes. <laughs> Did you really? Yes. And I was buying greens from Sweet Maria. Yeah, that's how I got started too, Jamie. Yeah, yeah. totally. And because um, I couldn't believe that something that a person could do. I mean, you just, you don't know what you don't know. Right. Like if you hadn't had your uncle to talk you through that, right? it, it feels a little bit like, no, that has to happen somewhere else. That has to happen in some big facility. There's no way I could do it at home. Well, it right. turns out you can. So the way that I did it, and I, 
I worry that listeners have already know this, but yep. you buy these little bags of greens and mm-hmm. you decide where you, you know, where they're from and it gives you some tasting notes. And it also gives you, uh, the company gives you notes on how long to go mm-hmm. and at what heat maybe to get the coffee you want. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe where that bean wants to be on mm-hmm. the spectrum of roast. So yeah, I would put in like, honestly, that thing could only happen handle like a cup maybe of greens and then you know popcorn roaster it's one of those that has the the shoot Uh and um so it would heat it would heat and maybe like five four or five minutes into it you'd start to hear the first crack yep so it's a little popping the sound yep and um what does that signify again what is the first crack what is that sure so uh, for the first four to five minutes the coffee's really drying mm-hmm. um, and there's a lot of gas building up inside of it. And so just like a popcorn kernel, you know, as that pressure builds, it hits a breaking point and boom, pops mm-hmm. open. It's mm-hmm. this big release of gas. Mm-hmm. So that's what that is. But they don't look any different to the Not naked really. eye, do they? No. Not really. Okay. Um, but you can definitely hear and smell it yes. and you can predict it. It's a huge indicator when you're roasting on a bigger scale. Um, there's actually, you probably never got to second crack, but there's a second crack too. No. Oh, well that's more like espresso, isn't it? Doesn't yeah. It? Well, well, the reason I said that is my yeah. popcorn popper that I started on just didn't have the juice to get it to second crack. I think crack. mine didn't either. Yeah. And so I started doing it in a pan Yeah, and it, it, just in the kitchen and it comes out a little bit uneven, but you can push it darker. So my wife would come around the corner like, what are you doing? The whole house is filled. It's smoky and dirty, Yes, and, but fun. And there's, <laughs> and it's funny because I, um, I assumed the house would smell like roasting coffee and it doesn't. Yeah. The smell is not the smell of roasting coffee. It's much earthier mm-hmm. and fuller and more nuanced. And I mean, I, there is an element of like a toasting grain kind of an aroma. Sure. Like you're making tortillas or bread. Yes. And yeah. I remember being disappointed. So that, was I. And I went, no, that's I want not... to smell the yummy coffee smell. Absolutely. But once you know that smell, you can recognize it anywhere. Yes, totally. I was driving through Denver and I, I smell coffee roasting. I mean, no joke. And yeah. I was two blocks from a company named Sweet Bloom and I popped in and there's, they were roasting, you know. Like so, crazy. I'm yeah, sure, yeah. yeah. Or like, a, you know, you go to a brewery and there's that mash smell, that malty smell yeah. and then, you know, the hops and it doesn't smell like beer necessarily. It smells like brewing. I thought it smelled gross. So as a kid, oh, I how funny. drove past Rainier Brewery yeah, yeah. in Seattle right off of I-5. And I remember thinking, what is that smell? And my dad saying, oh, they're making. Oh, I love that smell. Once an acquired one, right? Yeah. And yes. Totally. And working in a brewery, totally. that's, that's it. it's a beautiful association, Absolutely. but it is kind of, it's a weird smell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, the coffee roasting process, it doesn't smell like coffee. It smells like roasting. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a unique smell for sure. Yeah. Um, But back to your question. So yeah, as you're roasting, you're drying and then it hits this first, first crack. That's a, that's a big um, indicator in the roasting process between first crack and second crack. I'm going to butcher the pronunciation, but the Maillard or the Mallard is my yard Mm -hmm. reaction um, is where you develop a lot of the flavors. So that's really where you can, you know, bring different flavors out or you can transform some, you know, you know, maybe you want citrus notes. Maybe you don't, you can, that's where you can kind of play. Mm -hmm. Um, Once you hit second crack, um, then you're just really trying to stick the landing. Uh, (laughs) So uh, yeah. So depending on how dark you want to go and you know, when you push it to like a French, I specialize in the darker roast. I do some lighter roast. Oh, I love 
I yeah. love dark. There's I'm embarrassed to, to say it. Oh, no. I mean, okay. it's, the, the light roast thing is really trendy and it's yeah. fun. Yeah. It's also more profitable because you lose density when you roast darker. But ah, okay. um, there's a lot of misinformation out there. And, you know, light roast is fun and it's great. Yeah. I like it's, it about it is once a fun. week. Mm-hmm. It's fun because it you can really get a lot of beautiful nuance. That's mm-hmm. It's fun to cup and try and all mm-hmm. that. But like my heart is with the dark stuff. Me too. Give it to me all day long. And the acidity in the light roast—it's just—it's hard on my stomach. Yes. Yeah. So I, I prefer the darker roast, and actually, you're gonna end up more caffeinated drinking dark roast. It's it's um, it's kind of more concentrated, right? Um, it's not more concentrated. Yeah. Yes. Actually, because you lose the density. That's what and I was then you thinking. make a cup of coffee based on the weight. So. Yeah. Um, exactly. Mm. Um, so I specialize in the dark roast is kind of what I prefer. Yeah. Um, but you know, the light roast is trendy and it comes around Yeah. and well, and it may be, you know, there are a lot of roasters who are embracing second wave, totally. you know? So, and for listeners, so first wave is, I always think of it as like farmer brothers coffee yeah. 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 <laughs> or you ban or something yeah. like that, which there's totally a place for that. I actually mm-hmm. love a good cup of farmer brothers mm-hmm. from the Madonna Inn for mm-hmm. a buck. Um, Second wave would be things like, you know, picture friends, coffee house. Um, I mean like central perk. So you've, I'm trying to think of, well, Starbucks is probably right. your right. big, big cafe experience. Yes, exactly. Pete's. Um, but third wave is more like, um, I mean, I'm thinking scout for sure. Do who else? Would it's a higher that? end specialty grade yeah. experience. Yeah. Um, so it's really for me, what it means is identifying the farmers that are really nailing it yeah, uh, and making sure that that's with my money, you know, my purchasing power, um, it's going to people that I think are really doing a that's good wonderful. job. Yeah. And that ties into the organic thing too. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not an organic nut. I, I do consume organic when I see it, but I'm not a diehard, mm-hmm. um, especially when it comes to coffee. I was really having to weigh that because I didn't want to pigeonhole myself mm-hmm. out of certain regions that don't have organic for whatever oh, reason. Yeah. Um, I ended up being exclusively organic because from a sustainability standpoint, I couldn't find a great kind of lever of who was farming sustainably. Mm. Organic seemed to be the best indicator. So yeah. it's hard to find an organic Costa Rican coffee, for example. Mm-hmm. And there are, there are some out there. But, you know, in the 40s and 50s, Costa Rica saw coffee as a huge opportunity, mm-hmm. um, and they really overplanted. Oh. So there's great Costa Rican coffee, but you can't sustain year after year after year, you know, farm year after year and produce if you are spreading, you know, overplanting. Yeah. You, have to, yeah. you have to use fertilizers to get there. Yeah. So oh, um, that's why we're organic. Mm-hmm. It's more about uh, one of my fears is that... Um, low coffee prices that have really pushed farming operations to their breaking point in Guatemala, Ethiopia, Brazil, Mm -hmm. uh, then my generation in these areas are saying, I watched my parents, my grandparents starve to death. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm going to reap, I'm going to plant quat or or something else. Yeah. So we're really, no, 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 no. Um, we'll, you know, we'll pay for, you know, fair trade, it's a step in the right direction, but it's not an end all be all. Mm-hmm. But, um, that, that's where we're coming from is, is really, uh, we want to reward the people with our purchasing power that are farming with a long-term vision in, in mind. Which is tough though, as you talk about our, assuming that we're around the same age, our generation of people across the world, you're right. So many of them did watch their parents starve. And so, I'm sure economists have their work cut out for them trying to determine what that means for 
American consumers mm-hmm. or, or consumers around the world because people are just not having it. It's tough. It's really They're tough. They're going either I'm, I'm not going to do it, I'm going to move to the city, or I'm making assumptions, mm-hmm. or I'm going to do it, but I'm going to do it at a, you know, more money for me, less quality. Yeah. Am or, I right about that? Is that the same thing yeah, you're thinking? It is. Um, or and I'm still learning this stuff too. There's a lot of politics behind it. Mm, mm-hmm. So certain countries, the government control the coffee farms and they set the like pricing. Um, I've heard, again, I, yeah. I'm still learning. I don't want to throw out countries because gotcha. you know, I don't, don't really, do it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but I'm starting to learn that too. It's not yeah. that simple. Oh, well, um, you know, I'm here. Uh, maybe I'll just pop in and meet a couple of the farmers. Oh, well, the go- you know, I've actually got this yet. Well, the government owns those farms. And if you show up, you're going to get in trouble. Don't do it. Go, wow. What? Um, so you really have Ooh. to navigate that one. Yeah. So it's not as simple as you'd think. Um, yeah. but I think I'm a big believer in if it was simple and easy, everybody would do it. So mm-hmm. I'm actually, um, Leaning into sourcing more direct from the farmers. Now that's tough. I was going to, so I was going to ask you about brokerage and direct Mm -hmm. purchasing possibility, which I know is really Mm -hmm. tough and really limited for, for a roaster to go directly to a farm. Well, that's what I'm exploring right now. Um, It's a lot of fun to learn. Um, Well, fun traveling too. Fun traveling and just fun to start those conversations. So um, there are some big barriers, which is, you know, I'll, I'll establish a relationship with somebody in Brazil and have a couple of great conversations and okay, well, how many containers could you go through a year? It's like containers. Ah, it's the scale. Okay, so that's another issue. That's it's a scalability. So I'm trying yeah. to figure out, you know, can I rent a quarter of a shipping container? Uh-huh. And, um, how many containers? Do you <laughs> yeah. And I'm running the numbers like, well, you know, maybe not this year, yeah. uh, but that's what we're working through. So it just means, you know, maybe networking around this area and pull a couple other roasters together. Yes. And say, hey, do you guys scale. want to get on this? Yeah. So we're, it's just, it's just a fun kind of side project of mine. It's yeah. Um, but I would love to be able to buy more direct yeah. and then bring, you know, the Brazilian farmer out. Yes. And have him do a Q and A in our shop with a translator. Oh my gosh. So how cool fun. would that be? Right. You know, language is a real, it's interesting that you, as I'm saying, oh, it'd be so fun to travel to all these places, but having direct contact with farmers, mm-hmm. it's more than just access in terms of like getting a hold of them. There is a communication barrier for sure. Absolutely. I've, I've always with all of my work, writing, podcasting, whatever, I've always worked hard to make sure that I have a diverse set of people that I talk with. Um, Language is a real issue, not just on my side, but there are folks who are very nervous about engaging in a conversation that they can't, you know, express themselves fully. And so anyway, I just see language is a real, um, it's a real player. It's a real factor in those. It's a barrier. Uh, so is trust. Yeah. I've gone to certain areas where, why am I there asking questions? Mm. You know, they don't trust me and language has actually flipped that on its head, a great opportunity. Mm. If I walk in and just butcher something in Spanish, they're going to see that, well, this he's trying to connect to me ah. and you can build a little bit of rapport there yeah. and then maybe they'll loosen up and talk to you. Do you speak any Spanish? Um, a little bit. Yeah. I'm learning. Um, Oceano is a great place to learn. Hey, okay. So I want to talk about Oceano. Sure. Um, and actually let's go further back. So, so you grew up in Washington. I grew up in Seattle. 
Okay, such a great city. It's wonderful. I think if it weren't for the rain, uh, they'd have to put walls up to keep people out. Yeah. It's such an amazing city. It is. It's wonderful. The whole Northwest is, really. Yes. Mm-hmm. So you grew up there, mm-hmm. but somehow you wound up doing, um, I think you were saying, your CPA. Correct. So, but you also got involved in government you know, sure. economy. Uh, yeah. Explain yeah. that to me. Explain that, sure. So uh, my wife went to Cal Poly. And mm. she got her accounting degree and um, went up to University of Washington to get her master's degree, which I was in the same program. So we okay. met there. Um, I was itching to get out of Seattle right when she moved there. Um, so, but we ended up, um, I, I got a two-year uh, rotation in Washington, D.C. through mm. the company I was working on. So we lived in D.C. for two years, got married. Another great city. Yeah, ended up moving back to Seattle. Mm. Um, you know, as soon as I moved back, the weather really, really wears you down. I uh, think you don't know that probably you, until you, you get away, you right? Don't. And so we, but, when DC is an improvement on the weather, you're like, okay, you, you know, is- the seasons are wonderful. <laughs> I know. And you know, winter's not great, but then it ends. Cherry blossoms. Yeah, totally. Yes. Um, so we ended up moving back to Seattle. Um, you know, while we were in DC, we got married, we got pregnant. Um, mm-hmm. I had lost my mom. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were just a little homesick. So we moved back to Seattle to be a little closer. And, you know, after about six months, I, it just didn't feel right. Mm. It just didn't feel right. Mm-hmm. So um, I had an opportunity in Chicago and we ended up moving out there for three, four years. And, uh, you know, I was on this path to make partner at the company I worked for and I was looking for that opportunity. And in Chicago, all of a sudden it was in front of me. It was what I've been working so hard for, for so many years, all of a sudden it was right there and I wasn't happy mm-hmm. and I didn't want it really. Mm-hmm. And I had this realization. It sounds silly. of. It was a great company, but every time I got promoted, uh, my life got worse Mm. and I just couldn't Mm -hmm. correct that. And the prospect of making twice what I was making just wasn't a good thing. Mm. It was, it was terrifying because I knew what, you know, was required of me. You have to kind of sell yourself. I just knew what they, what, what I had to give currently and twice that just, you know, Oh, so it just wasn't right. And I left on really good terms and I said, I'm going to go pursue this passion project. I actually, um, tried when we moved out here, um, which I'll get into that in a second, mm-hmm. why we chose this area, but, um, I hadn't given up on the CPA thing yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought maybe I'd work for this in the big corporate culture too long. And I tried working for a smaller CPA here mm-hmm. and, um, they were great too. And my heart just wasn't in it. Yeah. I was so excited about coffee that I yeah. didn't really give it my whole. And, um, it well, was too bad, but I, I, you know, they gave me a first shot and it just, we had yeah. a great, it just, this isn't cool. You know, this isn't happening. if you had, I mean, I'm making assumptions, but if you had, you know, the spoils of having worked in corporate for a long time and you were able to use your savings to go into a passion project. Totally. I mean, then it's just beautiful. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. It just, it, it wasn't that smooth of a transition, but, uh, okay. So we wrote the business plan in Chicago and I was looking around the neighborhoods of Chicago, the suburbs where we lived and what, man, there's no coffee. There's no specialty coffee out here. Mm-hmm. There's downtown Chicago. It's wonderful. Yeah. North of Chicago is great. Um, the suburbs are massive and there's just nothing. And mm-hmm. so, um, I wrote a business plan and was gung ho about launching in you know, the Western suburbs of Chicago. And mm. we, my wife and I said, you know, we don't, this isn't us. Um, we enjoy it here, but this isn't us. Um, we don't really love it here. Mm. So the number one criteria for a bit, we knew when we started this business, we were putting down roots. Yeah. So we really needed to figure out where we wanted to do it. And we ping ponged. How know, long had you been in Chicago? By about three or three or four years. Okay. And, um, so we'll, I'm not going back to Seattle. And my wife said, well, I'm not going back to, she's from 
Central Valley, California. Mm-hmm. And we just both didn't want to go back to where we came from. We yeah. just, we were excited about trying somewhere new and we were looking all over Oregon. Um, yeah. Every cool place that we wanted to live had 12 coffee roasters. Ashland. Ashland, Ben, <laughs> and we just didn't want to elbow people like that. We didn't want to. It's already hopping there, I'm sure. Yeah, it, it was pretty saturated. Yeah. Um, but again, part of what I wanted to do was I wanted to reach people that don't have access to specialty coffee. Yeah, and I wanted to give them the experience of being able to come in and get a three dollar mug of coffee mm-hmm. and experience. Ethiopian and Colombian coffees roasted at a really high level. So mm-hmm. uh, my mother-in-law said, what about Cambria? I was like, Cam- like, where is Cambria? I didn't know anything about the central coast. Mm-hmm. You've never wa- been here. Never been here. My wife had talked about slow San Luis Obispo and every mm-hmm. time, I was like, where is that? Um, I knew it was between <laughs> LA and, and San Francisco. Sure. Um, so I looked it up and I looked at the coffee roasters in the surrounding area and mm-hmm. We flew out to Fresno and dropped the kid and drove out for a day. It was, yeah. I mean, the hair on the back of my neck was standing up. I said, Aww. this is just gorgeous and it doesn't have a ton. It has some well-established coffee roasters, yeah. um, but I didn't necessarily want to be the first to market. I just mm-hmm. wanted to do something a little different. And um, there was just no turning back. I mean, yeah. we just fell in love. She was like, I told you it's great out there, right? And, well, and it's different. I've said this many <clears throat> times on the podcast before, but it's different being here when you're a college student absolutely, versus being, you know, married children. You just, it's, it's really, really wonderful for people mm-hmm. at, I think this stage of life. Mm-hmm. I have kids also and, um, but I grew up here, so I had to get out definitely got out and then came back and it's just so much more satisfying at this season of life than, than previously. It's different. And yeah. I, I appreciate it. Yeah. Now. Being from Seattle, I'm a huge outdoors person, you yeah. know, rain or shine and Chicago bef- without the lockdown, you know, before COVID mm-hmm. was tough because it was all, it was museums and yeah. wonderful things, but it was all man-made entertainment. Yeah. Um, kind of like New York. Um, so that was a struggle mm-hmm. and I knew we, I wanted to be outside more and this is like the Mecca, right? It's pretty just, great. Yeah. It's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was really sold there. And then with COVID it was, Oh my God, thank God we ended up out here. Great point. Yes. You know, and all of a sudden uh, the Hills, you know, endless trails yeah. and sunshine and it really kind of solidified our, our life choice there. Did you come before COVID? Mm-hmm. You, you did, but not long before, right? Not long before. Okay. So, um, when we were in Chicago, I was all ready to move out here and start our business. And, um, we had, my wife was teaching, she's a college professor. And, um, we, she said, let me just finish out this quarter. Like, you know, pump the brakes a little bit. And we ended up getting pregnant with our third. Mm. I was like, okay, so we'll finish out school. We'll have the baby in Chicago. Um, and then we'll move out here. Um, which we did. And, you know, we had this plan of, well, Jill's going to run the espresso bar or the coffee bar and I'm going to be the roaster and it'll be this perfect, um, yin and yang. And mm. a month after we opened, we got pregnant with twins. I was going to ask you, so you mentioned before we were rolling that you had five and I'm like waiting for, yeah, you got pregnant with your third when you yeah. were in Chicago. You're yeah. Doing you, the I was thinking he definitely had twins. Totally. Yeah. And a big wow. part of, a big part of why I wanted to start this business was, um, doing the IPO consulting I was doing in Chicago and I was in New York a lot. My kids couldn't see what I did. Mm. And I, you know, I would be gone for a few days at a time. It wasn't so much being away from them, but I would come home in a suit and tie at eight o'clock at night. And that's all they saw. It's kind of abstract for them. Yeah. They yeah. just kind of visualize it. And, um, 
So then we got pregnant with the twins. Um, we had them right before COVID, actually. It was just a, a, a joke that everybody has a plan until you get hit in the face. And we had to go, okay, well, you're not going to be the bar manager, you know, pregnant with twins. It's just not going to be fun for anybody. Um, and that was hard for both of us. She had to step back mm. and, and kind of hand it over to me. And I had to just get over that. You know, I'm just going to be a coffee roaster the rest of my life. Well, you know, yeah. surprise. Now I need to really embrace the barista side of it. Yeah. Yeah. And I had fun with it and I still love it. Yeah. But, um, yeah, that was a big shift for us. And now our twins are three and a half. <laughs> and we're, it's such a black hole the it, past oh, three years. It really is. I wonder how we will look back at it, you know, say in 20 years. It'll be it'll be interesting to see how that forms, how that like crystallizes in our minds. It will be. It kind of is the lost three years, it isn't is. it? It is. And totally. I think, you know, I think that the... I was nervous during the last three years of how the kids would be impacted. Not mm-hmm. mine, but all of them. Yeah. Um, but it's fun to see them bounce back and kids oh, are resilient. So I couldn't be happier. They don't ever, you know, wait, what, what was going on? They don't even remember. Yeah. When we had well, to wear masks. I think it, some kids, yes, very resilient. I worry about the, this is outside the scope of this podcast. But sure. I do worry about the generational impact. Absolutely. Um, I'm really concerned about that. But in the meantime, I'm so happy. My son was in a play over the weekend and no masks on it's stage. Beautiful. I mean, it's just like, it's just Isn't fantastic. It weird? Um, one thing though, that does concern me mm-hmm. over the last couple of years is that it really did push everybody to isolate Yeah, and it, they feel more connected, um, because of the social media and, I know, and yeah. I've, it's really the opposite. It's really hard to watch. So, mm. um, we, with our business, trying to be really intentional with, we don't have TVs. Mm-hmm. Do we offer oh, Wi-Fi? Do we offer plugs? Yeah. Um, you what know, do you offer? Do you not? We do. Okay. Um, especially during COVID. <laughs> he said resi- with resignation. Well, but we had voice. to really be intentional. You know, it's not restrict. It's not that we don't want people to use their computer. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, again, it's just an intentional thing. We, I want people, to, we don't have a drive through. We don't, yeah. I want people to come in and, force them to say good morning to the barista. Listen, it, is, it, it ain't Eastern yeah. Washington where you don't yeah. want to get out of your car because it's yeah. frigid and you're going yeah. through the little cart. You, you don't need that here. Yeah. And if somebody does want to go through a drive through there's options and that's sure. totally fine. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that, that, that was one hard thing for me personally to watch. And, um, I've struggled with this concept of leaning into the social media because it is a powerful tool for business. Yeah. But, um, it also is a highly addictive, you know, thing. It's also and a pain in the ass. I mean, I speak really, from I speak from experience. It's I'm just always that. it becomes kind of a chore. Uh, it, it can. Yeah. I, it brings me a lot of joy sometimes, and there is connectivity there that isn't possible otherwise. That I really appreciate. Like you're talking about COVID. Yeah, it's a blessing and a curse. It kept us connected in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. but now has it's maybe it's it's usefulness has expired somewhat. I think so. And yeah. well, again, it's a tool and it yeah. is a very useful tool and a very powerful tool. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is extremely addictive and it's intentionally developed that way. Oh, for sure. And I so, 100% believe you that. know, my eye twitch is off the charts. And, and so, you know, <laughs> I like putting, you know, when I'm driving, for example, I'll, you know, just, okay. Intentionality. I'm going to put my phone in my glove box. Yeah. Um, and I just, I, I, now that I work with a lot of younger people, I just see, you know, uh, Hey, can we put our phones away for a couple hours? And it's mm-hmm. like, 
this huge anxiety there. Yeah. Um, and it's no longer adding value to people's lives. It's really mm-hmm. detracting. And do you know who Mark Rober is hmm. that he's an engineer? Should I? Well, like your kids will love him. Okay. He's an engineer. He worked for NASA, Apple, and he, um, he's the one who put together the glitter bomb to, to okay. get rid of porch pirates when, you know, when somebody <laughs> would walk by and see a package on your porch yep. and come up to steal it, yep. he would make these very appealing looking boxes. People would steal them, but it would have cameras in it. Uh-huh. And then when they open it, glitter flies out of it, gets everywhere and there's fart spray. I love and it. It like sends off sirens. And anyway, it's really, really funny. He has a new show called Revengineers. Uh-huh. And one of the revenge things that he does is there's a woman in a movie theater who's looking at her phone. She's on Instagram in mm-hmm. the middle of the movie. And he has this big box of popcorn. She can't see it. It comes like above her. It lands above her. And then it drops popcorn all over her. So I was looking at the social media about that. And people are like, how dare he? What's wrong with being on your phone in the movie theater? And I'm like, are you joking right, uh, right now? So I would say more comments were about what if her grandma just died or, you know, like, and she's getting information versus, yeah. Why don't you she, get up and leave the movie? I don't know. Anyway, this yeah. is so off topic, but I, I'm with you. I think uh, it's concerning, again, but I, what I, the generational impact would be. I see your point. And as a business owner, then you were forced to think about that, not only because of your, your thing about plugs and Wi-Fi, but now you have employees who perhaps have a I mean, different... It impacts everybody. Yeah, it does. I it see does. In Chicago, I would see people walk, almost walk out in front of trains reading emails mm-hmm. and, you know, riding bikes through Grover Beach. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, half the people, half the people that drive by are on their phones texting and, mm-hmm. you know, it's, is it safe to ride our bikes down the street? It's, mm-hmm. it's that bad. I hope pedestrians. I mean, honestly, there it, it's scary with pedestrians. It's, I've never thought before about being afraid to cross the street or even walk on the sidewalk. And granted, my anxiety as a mom right. kicks in, but it, absolutely, I mean, it happens. People get hit when a car, okay. It's like, the, but it's like the new drunk driver. somebody who's <laughs> no. so distracted by their phone yeah. or, or even pedestrians wearing you know, headphones like you're wearing now out for a run. It's like, Okay. Anyway. Yeah. No, no, no. I know. I get, we've exactly. gone. We've we gone digress. I want to know about Oceano. Sure. Why did you pick there? Sure. And, and kudos. I love Oceano. Yeah. And Oceano loves you. I don't know if you oh, Oceano's wonderful. I did a, an interview with the cast, some of the cast members at the melodrama. Did you? And I, uh, yes. And I asked <laughs> them, where do they go before, sure. after shows, rehearsal, whatever. And they all said, Oh, that's awesome. They all said you're Catherine. Well, one of them works for me now. She's Who is wonderful. It? Maggie. Maggie Sears. Maggie, she yeah. was on. You got to listen yeah. to that episode. I w- no, I will. I'll she's go listen. wonderful. And she's, she loves food. She she's did food wonderful. gardening. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was just a fun Maggie. friendship that developed. I started talking, oh, you're from New Jersey and yeah, yeah you, you're a barista. Are you bored? Like, mm-hmm. you know? mm-hmm. So it's a lot of fun. Um, so why Oceanos? Um, well, we moved out here and don't know the area at all. And um, spent, we, while I was working as a CPA, mm-hmm. we were just kind of scoping out areas and what, where are kind of people. And, you know, I went to North County and I went to Napoma and Santa Maria mm-hmm. and Slow. I looked everywhere um, and nothing really felt right. Um, and I looked all Grover beach, especially I really tried in Grover beach. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was so much going on with the cannabis and the yeah. reason it was yeah, just it was a lot, you know, I wasn't, I didn't feel like there was, um, a very welcoming environment there at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's better now. Um, 
one day I went, uh, again, I'm looking for a food culture, art culture, somewhere that I really love, somewhere with, you know, good people. And I was at the corner of 13th and Highway 1, where I normally, there's a little art gallery right there. It's called yes. The Place. Yes. And normally beautiful. I turn right and go to the beach. And so, yeah, I turn left. Mm-hmm. So I'm driving through downtown Oceano going, what the heck? I mean, mm-hmm. you can see the dunes. The beach is right there. This is Highway 1. It just made no sense. So I started walking around. I went to the post office and talked to Rita. Said, <laughs> what's Oceana like? And she's lived her whole life and said, oh, it's wonderful. And, you know, Highway 1, so all it's a bucket list package thing. And so all summer we get Europeans. And, you know, they all take holiday in um, July. and or, Is it August? July? August, August. yeah. August. And, mm-hmm. um you know, and the Asian countries do the same thing in September and everybody, but us. Yeah. Yeah. And they, she said, well, they, they, there's these packages where they say you have to do this American highway one package where you fly into San Francisco, you rent a van, you drive down to LA and then you go back through Vegas. Mm -hmm. Um, so she said people forward their mail to the Oceano post office. So she gets me people from all around the world and working in international tax. I was an inbound tax consultant. So I worked on non us companies and what I loved wasn't, the U S tax implications, what they were doing. It was Jamie, you're from Switzerland. Let me learn about how businesses operate in Switzerland. And that was really cool to me. And then I'll help you with the U S tax stuff. That's not that fun. Um, so I fell in love with Oceano for that reason. I would walk over to Figaro's tires. I talked to Al, Mm. Hey Al, how long have you been in Oceano? What do you like about Oceano? And it just, it was just a cool community. It is a cool community. Tiny. Yeah. But to, be on highway one and I needed 2000 yes. square feet and yeah. there was this big empty building with, by the way, no graffiti on it. It's been mm. vacant for over a year yeah. and it's like, it looks like they just shut the door. So mm. to me, I'm like, there's a community that clearly looks, I and mean, if this was in Seattle, for example, yeah. it'd be destroyed. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of felt out Oceano a little bit and, um, we got our hands on that building. We're renting it. Um, and it, this whole creative community came out of nowhere. I wasn't yeah. expecting it. We opened the doors and all these artists were coming in and um, like, holy cow. Oh, we've been waiting for a coffee shop forever. Totally. And it was so awesome. Mm-hmm. And so especially with the travel restrictions, I mean, Oceano kept us afloat for two years. Yeah. And, you know, if we were, I don't know, they really showed up. That's and everybody cool. was buying gift cards and buying coffee for their coworkers that they couldn't see in meetings. Yeah. And, um, we just want to made it without Oceano. And so it was this great thing. And, uh, to pivot a little bit now we're, um, expanding into slow. Yes. And, um, we're trying to message that part. now, now the business is established. You're, you're moving to, you're selling out, moving to slow. No, 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 no. Mm-hmm. A roaster, a flagship roastery is all going to be in Oceano. We're yeah. just opening a second coffee shop in slow, which is really cool for us. Yes. Um, it's just a totally different market. It really is. It really is. It's a different market. I can't think of much different, more different actually between Oceano and around the corner from Polly. It's pretty yin and yang, but what got me excited is I, I really chewed on it for a long time mm-hmm. was, yeah, it sounds like you really, I did. You, yeah, I'm very conflicted. Well, I'm very conservative and it wasn't a financial decision. It was a do we need this in our lives decision? It was, am I going to contribute the next two or three years to this to really make sure we nail it? Um, and I don't want to be neglecting my wife and kids throughout the whole process. Right. So it was a, it was a life balance question. And your original uh, business. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, do we have too many balls in the air? But no, I, you know, it was right aligned along the lines aligned with our, our long-term business plans. Mm -hmm. Here's what got me excited was what I've observed is when Cal Poly's in session, Mm -hmm. 
we kind of die down in Oceano. So everybody's back in school um, and we slow down. Mm -hmm. And then as soon as school's out, um, we go off down in Oceano and it's spring break, Christmas break all summer long. And it's not Cal Poly. It's just the school systems. Yeah. They are, they are part of the same system. Yeah. And so that wasn't my brain. Well, if I have, you know, six employees here and six employees here, um, and our busy seasons are opposite. It's a really great opportunity to resource share. Yeah. So I can send a couple of Shanna people yeah. up to slow and vice versa. So that's really what sold me was, I think we can make this work. Totally. Yeah. Totally. And as I mentioned before we started tape, I, I mean, that is a really profitable part of town. Yeah. I'm, I mean, it just is yeah. like, if you're concerned about the spot itself, those businesses just go off over there. So yeah, we, we do a deal do, do diligence. So I, you know, yeah. talk to Chewy at Tiger Rose. Hey, what's, what's it like? Yeah. You have here? to think and about he's going, that. Oh my God. It's night and day. Gangbusters. Yeah. Yeah. He loves it. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, we're excited. It's more, um, I, yeah, my wife and our CPA. So I crunched all the numbers. And went, mm-hmm. If we can do about the same volume as we do in Oceano, we'll be fine. And, yeah. and the people that I know that have businesses up there, like the same volume. Are you, I mean, <laughs> you guys are going to go off which is actually yeah. kind of scary to me. Cause I want to make sure, you know, nobody wants to not be ready. And so, you know, that old, is it a UPS or FedEx ad where people are, they put up their website for the first time yeah. and they're so excited. Yeah. Yay. And then the orders start to come in. They're like, Oh, people are ordering. And then it oh, starts God. to go higher and higher and their faces turn to like, Oh yeah. God. Yeah. Yeah. yeah one I of my employees that. last summer, um, <laughs> d- made this t-shirt and called me. He goes, Oh my God, I just sold like 3000 of them. I'm like, that's great. Wow. And he's like, well now what do I do? I'm like, you asked that question before you sell 3000 t-shirts. Yeah. Right. And so uh, I just want to make sure that we're ready and that everybody has a good experience. Yes. You know, we don't want to roll out and have people waiting 45 minutes for a cup of coffee. I know so, that's tough. Yeah. So we're going to, you know, we, we built in enough time for us to really do it well. And yeah. we're going to kind of do a couple soft openings and then good. Invite me to those. I would love to. Yeah. Um, so that's next to Ziggy's and Boba stop and yep. Right across the street from all those guys. Yep. Oh wait, across, it's across the, street. the street. Yep. Oh, is it in the, uh, the, um, like mixed use? Yes. That's So cool. we share a wall with Tiger Rose tattoo. That is very cool. Yeah, right on the corner. So, you know, for used the- to be a gas station there. That is what I heard. Yeah. And all the students used to go steal the toilet paper. Okay. Well, that's why they, they put it out of business. You got to hide your toilet paper. Though. I know, right? We will. <laughs> uh, but it's great. I mean, you know, my wife's been doing the build out and she was up there Sunday and um, we had a babysitter and I popped up and went for a run through the neighborhood just to get a feel for it. Yeah. It's just unreal, right? I ran to the back of Cal Poly and there's, you know, a pool and volleyball courts I and know. students sunbathing. I'm going... I hope you guys all know this is the best life gets because this is unreal. It's, I mean, it's unreal. It really is. <laughs> it's like a reality show. A resort. Like island. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And so I, I've been asked, well, so do you like um, slow more than Oceano? It's like, no. Yeah. Um, they're just so, they're so different. different. And I no. love them each for what they are. And, you know, when I want a trail run, I come up to slow. Yeah. And, um, you know, when I want to roast coffee and have fun, you know, organic conversations, those happen in Oceano. Well, in Oceano, the art, the diversity, the God, the agriculture. Absolutely. The bounty there is out of control. I don't know. Do you do pastries and, mm-hmm. and do you buy them or do you make we them? them? We buy them. Yeah. Okay. Um, but God, if you wanted to get like, you know, a jam croissant or something, I, that's yeah. just 
The yeah. fruit is incredible. It's and the history. And the history. The history of Oceano is really amazing. Yeah, actually, the I so I write for Highway 1 um, uh-huh. for the um, Business Improvement District. Uh-huh. And so I have to know a lot about all sure. of the Highway 1 communities. And um, Oceano is responsible in large part for the growth of San Luis Obispo County because it was a depot. Uh-huh. It had the one of the first telegraph centers, telegram centers, um, and... It ran light rail and um, and railroad all over with building materials all throughout the county. Um, it was a real heartbeat of mm-hmm. this area. And now, when the when the depot was put out of commission for mm-hmm. passengers and mm-hmm. um, and freight, it just it changed things for Oceano, but the agriculture still remains in it. And it's been a very friendly place for, say, Japanese farmers who yep. had otherwise been ousted from our area. That was a place that they could go and, and farm. And now we have Okui and Hayashi and all those guys. That really kind of helps cement my love for Oceano, learning all these stories. Yeah. And there's a lot of pride there. And you know, reading Lyndon Austin's book, yeah. you know, and Norm Hamilton, who wrote the book with her, would he you know, called me and wanted to see how coffee's roasted. So him and his wife came and which sat. book is that? <sighs> is it about the dunes? There's two of them. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so I read a couple of them okay. and, um, Linda's going to kill me, but I don't remember the name. No, it's okay. <laughs> but history of Oceano. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, and when I started to hear the stories about, you know, there was the Hawaiian, you know, the, Take a step back to your point about the Japanese Americans and they mm-hmm. couldn't own the land. And there was, I guess, a Hawaiian with dual citizenship that could buy lands in California. And he was mm-hmm. um, kind of letting the Japanese farmers use Lease, yeah. Right. And mm-hmm. and then, you know, you hear the stories about what the internment camps and, and them being moved off their land. Mm-hmm. You know, the existing white farmers really washed out for these farms. Mm-hmm. And when they came yes. back, extended them credit and got them back on their feet. And that's right. cool. I mean, it, that's I love just, those stories. Yeah. Me too. And that's really amazing. So, yeah. um, yeah, I do love Oceano and it's very up and coming and, yeah. um, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of friction and political issues that I kind of stay out of because I'm just there mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. provide a community space. And a, I'm and not even service. aware of those as, yeah. as a person who's generally aware of things. No, so. but as a community right. space, if you're a coffee shop, you're a community space, the conversations happen and, and okay. you know, so there's, there's a lot going on, but there's a lot to be really excited about. Yeah. Well, there are very few communities in Slow County that have room to grow like that. Absolutely. <clears throat> and it's, you know, I think of Los Alamos and how tiny that was, mm-hmm. is, but how off the map it really was for most travelers. And just one business full of life flatbread mm-hmm. with the introduction of just one business that believed in the area, it absolutely boomed. Is that Bob or is that a different guy? Um, Who's the bread guy? Uh, that's Bob. Bob's well-bred. No, but I'm thinking of Clark Staub who okay. opened flatbread and, uh, you know, took a chance. Totally took a chance. Absolutely. And, and people told him, don't do it. I got a lot of pushback. I mean, there was, yeah. there were kind of two sides of it. I, I had a lot of people at, for six months to a year. Of, oh, I never thought I'd see something this nice here. And so we said to roll our eyes oh, and go like, yeah. like, Oh, highfalutin snobbery, like, oh, that kind of thing. Totally. Mm. Um, and they would ask me, well, you know, why are you in Oceano? And I'd start telling these stories. Well, Oceano's wonderful, and there's mm-hmm. these amazing people. Um, but the flip side of that was I got a lot um, – initially, the, the trust conversation, you know, issue I brought up earlier, people weren't sure why, why I was there. And there mm-hmm. – you know, a lot of people 
turning houses into Airbnbs. And so yes. there's this kind of community of people there that um, just, you know, don't, don't touch our area. This yeah. is our area. And we're very proud. We've been here a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had to just, I like just, don't capitalize on us. Yeah, yeah. I just would walk around and wave to people and make hot chocolates for the kids at the laundromat and just show, though this is, this is a safe place. And mm. through word of mouth, um, the word kind of spread that, Oh, Jack's cool. No, I went and talked to Jack. Jack's cool. Um, yeah. they're great. And mm. it, it took two, three years to get the community to really trust that we weren't there to push any political agenda. We just want to serve coffee. Sure. And so totally. now it's great. Yeah. I, I love it. We've really, um, we love the area. Like I said, they've really embraced us. Yeah. Um, but it's fun to expand and, and make Oceano proud. And, and part of what we're doing in slow is reaching this whole other group of people. And, um, again, I think we can still present as organic coffee roasters, mm-hmm. but say, go check out our flagship roastery in Oceano. You yeah, haven't yeah. been down there. Oh my God. You ever seen coffee roasted and really drive people down there? Yeah. So that's for part sure. of what we're doing. Yeah. And what will be different in terms of what you offer? Are you keeping it pretty much the same in terms of um, like what is on the menu? We're using it as an opportunity to rethink a few things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this was our first cafe mm-hmm. and, um, you know, our menu's not really about half the drink on our menu. I probably wouldn't go in an order. Yeah. You know, our matchas are sugary mm. and, um, you know, we, we use really sweet chocolate and we're just mm-hmm. not trying to cater to slow as much as, um, rethink if I was going to walk into a coffee shop, what do I want? And yeah. so I'm experimenting with, you know, a turmeric latte. Well, is this sweet mm-hmm. or is it not sweet? And, you know, for the first year, when you do something new, you're, you're in your head is, is this what people want? Yeah. And somebody says, Oh, you should have an almond syrup and you go buy one. And Oh, you should have a blueberry syrup for my iced tea and you go buy one. And then you have a mm-hmm. hundred syrups. Mm-hmm. Um, none of which I would ever. And you're like, consume. I don't drink these. Yeah. 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 where do these come from? But you're, <laughs> if you're a people pleaser, Jimmy likes almond yeah, syrup, but they don't come anymore so we can throw it away. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so we're really just trying to be authentic. Keep it simple. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I really want to stay away from the, um, like the cheesecake factory experience. I, right. I was thinking, I was thinking it. It's like and, uh, the 161st uh, yeah. menu item on there. Totally. Yeah. Uh, yeah. My favorite coffee shop in downtown Chicago, yeah. there's four or five of them. It was called Dollop. And I, it was across the street from my office. I didn't really know anything about coffee. Yeah. But I'd walk in and they had six things on the menu. And I knew what one of them were. And yeah. the first day I got a latte and then I got a cappuccino. And then the next day I got a macchiato. Right? And mm-hmm. so the macchiato came in this little tiny cup. I'm going... That wasn't what I thought it was going to be, but cool. Yeah. <laughs> and I got through all six of them. That's kind of what, that, that is what we're envisioning. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we can make anything. If somebody comes in, kind of call a macchiato. Okay. We, I think I know what you want. We can make it. Yeah. We have the stuff. Um, and not push our, not push my consumption habits on other people. Mm-hmm. So if somebody wants vanilla latte, I mean, I don't like syrups. Yeah. Just in general. Same, yeah. Um, but if somebody wants it, we want to be a common Yes. That's totally. a pretty common one. And do it well. You know, Absolutely. like do that. Have a great vanilla. Exactly. That we're really proud of. Yeah. Absolutely. So we're just kind of rethinking things. Yeah. And, um, but that's not the point. I mean, I, I'm not, I don't mean to tell you what the point of your yeah. business is, but I don't see the point of your business as much uh, of like a cheesecake factory menu as it's about the roasting. So it's about the product that you're putting out less so about options and more about highlighting this thing that you work so hard to make. Absolutely. It's just a, you know, forest from the trees issue when you're in the nitty gritty every day, it's easy to kind of lose sight and, Mm -hmm. um, it's just pulling your head out and finding some clear space. And so when are you planning to open? And so this summer, okay, we don't have an exact date. Um, 
we'll probably finish the build out in the next month or so. Um, I'm kind of town. I'm expecting maybe July. That's awesome. Well, I'm glad um, we could catch it. This will come out June first. It's really good. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Um, so that's our goal. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we want to be able to be open and have a couple of weeks to, you know, iron out some wrinkles before Cal Poly's in. It's like full game on. Yeah. Right. Well, let me know when you do, um, so Absolutely. that I can push it out, but then also so I can come over and see. Yeah. Okay. Good. Absolutely. Um, if it was your last day on Earth and you wanted to celebrate this beautiful business you started, your five children or more, more coming. No. <laughs> no. I'll just let you imagine what his uh, face look like. It would like. be an act of God. <laughs> Gosh. Anyway, big, beautiful family. Uh-huh. Um, what would you eat? This is a happy occasion. What would you eat? What would you drink? And who would be there? That is, is this the zinger question that comes at the end? Yes. Um, if, it, if it was today? You know, it's an over-asked question no it's a great question and yet the answer changes for everybody so my, every and i'm time. like well it depends yes yeah, yeah yeah so do i have time to plan for it yeah, i'm not embarrassed i'm, I'm have, i don't apologize for my question no it's a great question um the question is i don't know i'm big on just kind of go with your instinct and what sounds good you know if, if you were telling me tomorrow's my last yeah time, tomorrow thought, you're gonna die tomorrow, okay, tomorrow what do you want um i would wake up and decide tomorrow you know would my family be there absolutely mm-hmm. you know, i have some friends that are family to me you know, I would either spend time with them or get on the phone with them. Mm. Um, absolutely. What would I eat? I don't know. I, I could eat pizza every meal. So it'd probably there some version of, you know, a serious pie. Chicago pie? Is that your no. jam or DC style? Uh, more of a flatbread style. Okay. Uh, kind of a California style, it sounds like. Kind of. So I throw out serious pie is a pizza place in Seattle um, where they do the flatbreads and it's, it's really good. They, mm. you know, it's not traditional pizza. It's, um, like russet gold potatoes with um, hmm. rosemary and infused oils. Okay, so I would do something beautiful. like that. Okay. Oh, yeah. um, beautiful. Okay. What would I drink? Are you having coffee with it? I don't know. I mean, you can be weird. You don't have to worry about your digestion because you're going to die. You don't. Um, I don't know. Probably, probably a really good kombucha. Like a watermelon oh, kombucha yeah. or a... Yeah, just because I really enjoy it. I wouldn't want to spend my last day half drunk, you know. No. Um, I'd probably go for a nice long hike. Oh, um, what's a favorite hike of yours? I really enjoy um, Harmony Headlands. So do I, except there's snakes. Really? Yeah. Ignorance is bliss. Oh, no, right? I could. I heard them and I saw them. And anyway, but See, that's I saw a- them in the Pismo Preserve. Oh, and I don't, I've seen images of snakes fighting. In the I've, I've had to preserve. jump over them. Yeah, I'm not going there. I'm not going <laughs> I've seen a snake on the Bob Jones Trail. I believe it. Yeah, anyway. So maybe the Bob Jones, I would be somewhere that my kids could come with. It would be a family yes. walk. Yeah. Um, Bob Jones Trail is amazing. I love Harmony Headlands, though, too. What a gorgeous. Um, San Simeon Pier, I kind of just discovered. Yeah. Oh, the Cove. Him. It's one of my favorite beaches yeah. on a good day. Um, yeah. I don't know, maybe Monterey. Yeah, lovely. It's wonderful. So. Wonderful. Okay, well, it sounds like you have a really nice final day. I have a good day plan tomorrow, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sounds Just wonderful. Just do me a favor and don't die tomorrow, okay? Yeah, no, okay. We'll, we'll work on it. Well, thank you so much of course. for coming over. You have so much going on right now. I didn't actually, I wasn't aware how much you have going on right now, and I appreciate you taking time to be here. Absolutely, and likewise, thank you for having me. Sure. Thanks for carving time out of your day to listen to Consumed. If you like what you hear, it always helps if you rate and subscribe to the feed. To 
To learn more about my guests, see their photos, and connect with them via their website or social media, visit letsgetconsumed.com. You'll also find a newsletter sign up if you want to visit for me in your inbox every now and again. Until then, I'm Jamie Lewis. Cheers. Cheers.